Section 64 of Hidden Treasures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hidden Treasures by Harry A. Lewis. Edwin M. Stanton. Edwin M. Stanton, whom President Lincoln selected for his Secretary of War, notwithstanding the fact that he had served in the cabinet of Buchanan, was born at Steubenville, Ohio, December 19, 1814, and died in Washington, D.C., December 24, 1869. When fifteen years old, he became a clerk in a bookstore in his native town, and with money thus accumulated, was enabled to attend Kenyon College but at the end of two years was obliged to re-enter the bookstore as a clerk. Thus, through poverty, he was deterred from graduating. But knowledge is just as beneficial whether acquired in school or out. Thurlow Weed never had the advantages of a college. But stretched prone before the saphouse fire, he laid the foundation upon which he built that splendid reputation as an able editor. Elihu Barrett never saw the inside of a college schoolroom, as a student, but while at the anvil, at work as a blacksmith, with book laying on a desk near, he framed the basis of that classical learning which made him, as master of forty different languages, the esteemed friend of John Bright and others of the most noted people the world has ever known. As it was with them, so it was with Stanton. He had but little advantages, but he would not down. It is said that if Henry Ward Beecher had gone to sea, as he desired to do, he would not have long remained, for in him was even then a slumbering genius. But he himself once said that had it not been for his great love of work, he never could have half succeeded. Ah, that's it. If ability to accomplish hard digging is not genius, it is the best possible substitute for it. A man may have in him a slumbering genius, but unless he put forth the energy, his efforts will be spasmodic, ill-timed, and scattered. Full many a gem of purest ray serene, the dark, unfathomed caves of ocean bear. Full many a flower is born to blush unseen, and waste its sweetness on the desert air. Young men, there is truth hidden in these words, despite what some writers would make you think. They would argue that if you are to be a Milton, a Cromwell, a Webster, or a Clay, that you cannot help it. Do what you will. Possibly this may be so. It may not be thought proper for me to dispute their lordship. But it does seem to me that such arguments can give but little hope. If they have influence at all, it cannot be an inspiring one. No, never mind the reputation, never pine to be a Lincoln or a Garfield, but if you feel that your chances in youth are equal to theirs, take courage. Work. If you are a farmer, strive to excel all the surrounding farmers. If a bootblack, make up your mind to monopolize the business on your block. Faculty to do this is the best possible substitute for a slumbering genius if perchance you should lack that most essential faculty to success at any rate never wait for the slumbering genius to show itself if you do it will never awake but slumber on through endless time and leave you groping on in midnight darkness
But to return to Stanton, whether he possessed a slumbering genius does not appear, but certain it is that by downright hard work he gained a knowledge of the law, and was admitted to the bar in 1836 when in his twenty-first year. While yet a young lawyer, he was made prosecuting attorney of Harrison County. In 1842, he was chosen reporter of the Ohio Supreme Court and published three volumes of reports. In 1847, he moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but for nine years afterward retained his office in Steubenville as well as that in Pittsburgh. In 1857, his business had so expanded that he found it necessary to move to Washington, D.C., the seat of the United States Supreme Court. His first appearance before the United States Supreme Court was in defense of the state of Pennsylvania against the Wheeling and Belmont Bridge Company, and thereafter his practice rapidly increased. In 1858 he was employed by the national government against the government of Mexico on land titles, deeds, etc. This great legal success, together with several others, won for him a national reputation. It has been stated by one of the leading jurists in the United States that the cause of nine out of ten of the failures in the legal profession is laziness, so common in lawyers after being admitted to the bar. Once in, they seem to think that they have but to sit and wait for business. Possibly their eye has, at one time or another, caught those sentiments so dear to some writers in regard to the slumbering genius. Be that as it may, it is very evident that Stanton had never been idle, and was seldom obliged to refer to his library before answering questions in relation to the law. He was called to the high position of Attorney General in President Buchanan's cabinet, and on January 11, 1862, nine months after the inauguration of Lincoln, he was placed in the most responsible position in his cabinet, at that time, Secretary of War. His labors in this department were indefatigable, and many of the most important and successful movements of the war originated with him. Never, perhaps, was there a more illustrious example of the right man in the right place. It seemed almost as if it were a special provincial interposition to incline the president to go out of his own party and select this man for this most responsible of all trusts, save his own. With an unflinching force, an imperial will, a courage never once admitting the possibility of failure, and having no patience with cowards, compromisers, or self-seekers, with the most jealous patriotism he displaced the incompetent and exacted brave mighty endeavor of all. Yet only like what he exacted of himself, he reorganized the war with Herculean toil. Through all those long years of war he thought of, saw, labored for one end, victory. The amount of work he does in some of these critical months was absolutely amazing. By its comprehension of details, the solution of vexed questions, the mastery of formidable difficulties. Wonder was it his word sometimes cut like a sharp, quick blow, or that the stroke of his pen was sometimes like a thunderbolt. It was not the time for hesitation or doubt. 
or even argument he meant his imperiled country should be saved and whatever by half loyalty or self-seeking seemed to stand in the way only attracted the lightning of his power the nation owes as much to him as to any one who in council or in field contributed to its salvation and his real greatness was never more conspicuous than at the time of mr lincoln's assassination his presence of mind his prompt decision his unfailing faith and courage strengthened those about him and prevented the issue of frightful panic and disorder following that unexpected assault upon the life of the republic to have equipped fed clothed and organized a million and a half of soldiery and when their work was done in two days to have remanded them back to the peaceful industries from which they had been called to have had the nation's wealth at his disposal and yet so incorruptible that hundreds of millions could pass through his hands and leave him a poor man at the end of his commission shattered in health yet from necessity obliged to resume his legal practice must for all time rank him among the world's phenomena such a man so true so intent upon great objects must many a time have thwarted the greed of the corrupt been impatient with the hesitation of the imbecile and fiercely indignant against half-heartedness and disloyalty whatever faults therefore his enemies may allege these will all fade away in the splendor with which coming ages will ennoble the greatest of war ministers in the nineteenth century he will be remembered as one who never thought of self and who held the helm in sunshine and in storm with the same untiring grip nor were his services less valuable to his country when after the surrender of the confederate armies the rebellion was transferred to the white house and he stood the fearless unflinching patriot against the schemes and usurpations of its accidental occupant mr stanton entered on his great trust in the fullest prime of manhood equal seemingly to any possible toil and strain he left his department incurably shorn of health he entered upon it in affluence with a large and remunerative practice he left it without a stain on his hands but with his fortune lessened and insufficient yet when it was contemplated by some of his friends after his retirement to tender him a handsome gift of money he resolutely and unhesitatingly forbade it and the project had to be abandoned he was as truly a sacrifice to his country as was the brave soldier who laid down his life in the prison pen or sanctified the field with his blood for an unswerving and passionate patriotism for a magnificent courage for rare unselfishness for transcendent abilities for immeasurable services to his country the figure of the greatest war minister in modern times will tower with a noble grandeur as undimmed and enviable a splendor as that of any in the history of the republic which like his friend and co-worker the great lincoln he gave his life to save. End of section 64. Edwin M. Stanton.